The following is a conversation with Connor McCain. Connor is the proprietor of Sunrise Surf Academy, an aspiring big wave surfer, and a good friend. In this episode, we talk about surf travel, crazy airline stories, big wave surfing, big wave equipment, and more. Enjoy. You and I met in Bali. Yeah. We were volunteering. In Karamas. In Karamas. <laughs> yep. We were, we were volunteering at Swimdo, an mm-hmm. organization that teaches children how to swim. How did you find your way out there? How did you get involved so, in So, I knew a man named Neil. His last name is blanking on me right now. But Neil and Dylan Sojin from Officer were best friends with Seamus, who was the starter of it. And Neil was one of the founders. And they kept talking about it, kept talking about it. I used to carpool with Neil. And I just got so sick about like hearing about it. I was like, All right, I got to go out and see what it's about. And I went out for about almost three months and absolutely adored it and loved it. And I thought the program they had, I came out of time of growth in which it was kind of transitioning from a small local thing where it was very hands-on in terms of like Neil Dylan's like roles to in which they were trying to transfer it over to the local village to take over it and let it continue while they secured funding elsewhere. So it's kind of interesting time to be there, but I've always worked with kids and so kind of just played into everything I loved working with kids, teaching them. And the kids what made it so special and so unique to a lot of the other like service industry jobs with kids I've done is they all came on their own volition. We would go to the school, say, hey, do you guys want to come? Like, here's the flyer. Like, mom just needs to sign a release. Half the kids wouldn't even come back with mom's release, but it's Indo. So it's yeah, like, I was going to say, you need releases yeah. over there? Um, but, and they would just come out on their own because they wanted to learn how to swim. They wanted to play in the pool and seeing the joy in their face and the awe and amazement kind of when a whole bunch of boules rolled up and, like, were ready to teach them. It was pretty exciting. Um, so I loved my time out there. And I actually went, go visit every two years. Um, and I go back to Karamas, stay with the family I'm staying with. And I actually, I never leave Karamas when I yeah, go. I just put yeah. around and hang out. So it was quite nice. And that's where I met you and Molly, actually. And that was quite a blast. That was an awesome trip. Morong, Lagong, everyone everyone who's been around there knows Quebec. Yeah. That place is amazing. And iPad, their dog. Yeah. It looks quite like your dog, actually, iPad. <laughs> yeah. But how I actually just talked to him, and he built a hotel right at Karamas Point. And it's beautiful. It's called Lotus Place, and it has a beautiful pool, and... It's quite exciting, and he's very excited about that. So. Yeah, I saw that. It looks like he did a lot of that work himself, too. Yeah, when I went last, they were physically building it. And what's crazy in Indo is since labor's on the relative cheap side, it's all like very hands-on and lots of machines. Instead of just having an excavator to dig out a pool, there were six dudes with shovels digging out a pool, and Kadek was in there with hammers, and they used bamboo framing, and they were like <laughs> hanging in the bamboo framing when I showed up. I was like, oh my god, Kadek, you're hands-on. He's like, yeah. That's wild. So, I'm excited to stay when I go back. Right now, COVID restrictions obviously haven't allowed, so I actually missed my two-year mark this winter. But next winter, plan out go down there. So. Yeah, me too. They uh, they're known for ripping off bags pretty well, but uh, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. Was that your first surf trip? Uh. This was what 2017. Yeah. So it wasn't my first surf trip, but my first long-term proper one, I would say. The first one was actually to Costa Rica, like right out of high school with one of my high school friends who's from Costa Rica. He doesn't surf, but his family's all from Costa Rica. They gave us a car and it was really easy and nice. And we were there for almost a month and we went into Nicaragua. We dabbled all around the Costa Rican coast, but it was like my second surf trip. Besides like little like Baja missions mm-hmm. like up north. And it was pretty daunting because out there the waves are so different in terms of reef. Here in California we have reefs and slabs, but not quite like out there. 
Um, and so I was kind of shocked by the raw power and energy it had out there. And then also just culturally, you land there and you just instantly, the smell hits you and you're like, whoa, what is this? Food, I got so sick for about a week. I didn't know the language. I struggled to learn Spanish and here I was with Bahasa. Um, and it was amazing though to like see the culture, be fully ingrained in it. And then after some time, I traveled to some of the other islands in Indonesia. And again, it just felt like I walked into a new country, just got hit by a new culture, and it felt like a new country, new language. It was pretty cool. Surfing over reef is really another thing. For it people is. that have never done that before, it's, it totally changes your mindset. How do you approach it? I like it a lot more. Um, the waves hold up, they're more predictable, it's more power to the waves. Mm -hmm. But I think when you first roll up and you've never seen a reef proper before, it feels really powerful and daunting. And even to this day, it's a little daunting duck diving because I always like used to scrape my hands or just getting worked on the reef is never fun. Um, and it teaches you, I guess, real commitment um, because in a beach break, if you pull out, you just get slammed. It's not that bad. But on the reef, you can get really slammed. There was one time in Indo, I was like my first week there and I paddled in and it was like an overhead day um, at a break near Karamas and it was kind of shallower. And so you could see the reef on the inside and we had to walk across it. And I got pitched with the lips straight into the reef. I had a Bali United jersey at the time then that tore in half, like in the back, and just blood coming from my back, and oh, so painful. Throw some lime on there. Yeah. Yeah. I actually didn't throw a lime. I used the antibiotic septic I brought from the state. Smart. But then Smart. after that, I ran out of it within a week, and I couldn't find more. It was very hard to find. So, but I would say with reef, it's a lot more powerful, a lot more predictable, a lot more fun. But it can be a lot of. It can be very daunting at first. And you're definitely going to pay to play a little more. But. Do you fall differently when you're surfing over reef? Do you try to pancake more? Uh, it depends. Like, super heavy, not, because then you're going to get drilled by the lip. Um, I try to, like, jump into a wave if possible and go down. But I've always been a huge cover-my-head kind of guy. It's what we teach in my yep. lessons. And honestly, I just do that and pray and try not to, like, pencil dive or, like, go in feet first, hand first. I don't want anything sticking and going in because that's how you snap your leg and stuff so i try to just be as compact a little ball that's ready to bounce along the reef like my back getting scratched up is totally fine as long as my face is covered and i'm not going head first i'm happy i do think though if i was to charge some like heavy pipe tuftan pohu and stuff like that i would probably put on a helmet in all honesty i know that's becoming like a very big thing now but it hadn't been for a long time but just there's a lot of people you meet in Indo, some of the expats just like scars all across their face or the time I went to the hospital for this and that. It's like, I don't know if it's worth it. The helmet question is really interesting because not only you're trying to prevent against giant gashes, but yeah. you're also at brain injuries. Concussions. Yeah, that's yeah. the biggest reason. Even uh, on small waves, you can get these tiny little concussions. Oh, I've plenty of times like trying to throw airs, board smacks me in the head, like, woo, you know, um, but it definitely doesn't look as cool, the helmets, for sure. Like, when you watch them in the pipes, like classics and stuff, they don't look as good with the helmets on, I would argue. But honestly, it does make sense, especially when they're really pushing on the bigger waves. Um, so that's something definitely to think about for, I guess, someone going to a reef who's never been to a reef before. Possibly bring a helmet if it's going to be a little bit heavier. Um, but once you figure out reefs, they're a playground. It's so much fun. And there's a reason why all the world's best surfers kind of grew up at a reef. Yep. Or a sure. really bad beach break. It's one of the yeah. But yeah, like on the East Coast, a lot mm -hmm. of good East Coast boys. Like all the Brazilian. Yeah. Yeah. Helmets are really interesting. I would love to get involved with designing a helmet that, that looks better, yeah. that performs better. The problem with helmets is, one, you 
put them on your head and it immediately changes the way you have to position yourself in the barrel. It's a whole new sort of awareness. You kind of have like an inch on your head. Yeah. And the other thing is that with helmets, you're increasing the surface area of your head, right? So yeah. when you hit the water, that impact is actually harder. Harder on your head. And yeah. it's not clear whether helmets prevent concussions when you're hitting the water versus definitely when you're hitting the reef. Yeah. If you're hitting the reef, that helmet's going to yeah, do a lot of good. Sure. But water, it's the same thing with wakeboarding. Like, there's a reason why wakeboarders don't wear helmets when they're going oh. huge. It just makes concussions worse Never when you hit the that. water. I know with helmets, so once you hit it once, you got to change it. So that's something very interesting. Yeah. If you take a nice fall, but you don't hit the reef, do you need to change it? Is it still intact? No. Yeah, for sure. The dirt bag is the most protective and functional board bag on the market. 25 millimeters of padding ensures your boards remain protected during travel. And the universal racking system allows you to rack your bag on any vehicle with or without existing racks. Use code DIRTBAGRADIO on the website dirtbagsupplyco.com for 10% off your order. Free shipping throughout the U.S. Interesting. It's like, honestly, like real breakage once, but it was three boards. It, it kind of hurt. They ran over it. Um, <laughs> this is the second they don't time I've heard something. They don't admit this. to it, obviously, but I pick up my board. It was a smuggler bag by, ooh, who makes the smugglers? It was Pro Light. A, yeah, Pro Light. And you can see one tire tread, like actual tire tread across the bag, all like, I would say kind of where the rocker starts for the nose, you know, when it starts to really get really pointy up in the top. So you're talking about maybe like five, seven inches with it, like from the nose into the board, just fully snapped in half. Um, what do you think it was? One of those runway I, vehicles? Yeah, it just probably ran over back. Oh my God. Um, and that was... American Airlines who did that classic um, but then I I think they're called Iberian the Spanish slash Moroccan airline I had a window seat I watched them literally just boom, toss the bag and these the bags aren't much padding and of course the whole like all three rails on my board this was on the way to Morocco and then the way back was the snapping we're all cracked you know um, and then I've had it was Southwest they chipped the noses. It was like a sun care job, but it was still really frustrating when you roll up and you're ready to surf and then you open and you're like, oh, you know. Um, but honestly, since the dirt bag, I've not had a single issue. That's good to hear. Yeah. I haven't heard of a single issue either. No. The one thing I do have an issue with, I think sometimes, it's my own stupidity, is the big um, metal tabs. Isn't I'm, like, I always take out my fins every surf session, put them back in. I always throw the board on top of the bag and whack the metal oh, tabs. Oh, yeah. But so that's just me, just needs to be more cautious. But other than that, with airlines, I've been using the dirt bag now for nine months, and I've traveled on five to seven flights. What is it? I think six flights. And it's also been to Baja countless times, bouncing in the back of the truck. I've never had an issue. That's great to hear. Yeah. Where that's good feedback about the buckles. Where we're putting them in, po in pockets. That that uh, would be a very interesting idea, um, because yeah, having them on top, and also sometimes they'll turn around and whack the corner, and the metal will like ding something else. Um, and I was always worried about the metal sinking into the bag, but I've never really had a problem with that. I haven't experienced it, so yeah, it's been a really great ride with that sense. But for the longest time, the anxiety of you go through customs and you open up the bag and you look at the nose, you pull the bag back and you got to take all your clothes off to the side of the bags, you know, because you packed it all full of your clothing. And then to see, oh, it is messed up. Oh, it's fine. But 
it eliminates that. Like with the dirt bag, I've actually got in the habit of not even checking. Yeah. <laughs> when I nice. land, I'm just like, let's go. You know, Sweet. like I'm going to be honestly surprised if anything actually happens. And I think if something was to happen, I would see a tire mark. And it's probably it, I think it over. would take a tire mark. Yeah. And that's like, it's pretty egregious. But yeah, in terms of the tossing, like I've literally, I was landing in Costa Rica. The guy literally took the bag off the conveyor belt, tossed it on to the ground. And I saw that happening as I'm walking up and I was like, oh. but I was like, ah, it's fine. And sure enough, with the bottom pads that go mm-hmm. on the roof, fine. Not a problem. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah, those tire marks are crazy. That's that's not the first time I've heard of, of yeah. boards getting run over. At least I've heard of stories of boards never showing up. So at least I've never had that. That's crazy. People like how do you lose them. a board bag? Yeah, I know it's huge. You know, like, I understand a little suitcase, but a board bag, yeah. I used to when I was traveling before I made the dirt bag. I used to always have a debate with myself whether or not I should even bring my own boards. In Bali, I I decided not to. I ended up buying some there, and the last two days was kind of hectic trying to sell them before I left. I got ripped off when I sold mine. Yeah. I went because the airline I booked was Hong Kong Airline, and they wanted like $600 for a board bag round trip. Um, and I was like, this is crazy. Like, no way. And so I ended up buying one there, which actually was a very pleasant experience buying it on the Facebook page. But then selling it was such a nightmare and such a hassle because you're trying to pack and get ready to go, and then you're like, just bored what do i do i got really lucky it sold to a friend dylan yeah. there you go and then he broke it later <laughs> okay. yeah do you train at all for surfing uh, i know i know you have some projects in mind you got your impact suit ready to go yeah so i was training really heavily kind of before last summer like every day i would be swimming about a mile and a half and then running open ocean yeah open nice. ocean I go always north to south. So some days it's a breeze and you go super fast because the current's with you. Other days you're fighting it. But when summer started, honestly, just every single day working. So I haven't had time. And then I got pretty sick in the fall. It wasn't COVID, but it was definitely like a respiratory thing. Um, I think it was bronchitis, but I never got fully diagnosed. I got a COVID test, came back negative. And since then, I've kind of been like wheezing and puffing and kind of having a harder time. But the season wasn't a problem because there was no big waves. But I am getting back into the routine of running and swimming. I find swimming to be the best for me. Um, but I know a lot of people are into the cardio. But I think cardio is kind of the best training. And then lately, I've been a whole school of you just got to surf. That's the best yep. training. And that doesn't do you so much for big wave training. But when you look at like Luca, like he's not really surfing small waves. Like he's surfing big waves, big waves only. That's all he wants to train for. But part of me is I want to be a well-rounded surfer. And so I'm a huge school of go surf for two and a half hours. And if that's your workout for the day, that is like, that's what you can do. Yeah. You know? So lately a lot more of that kind of school of thought, but definitely need to get back into the training. What about riding different size boards? Um, what do you mean by that? Kind of keep yourself well-rounded on the board front. So I, I lately have been on a board journey, <laughs> spiritual board journey. I used to kind of be someone who just buy nice used boards off Craigslist. And kind of like, oh, this is kind of what I want. Like, this kind of size, this volume. Not really paying too much attention to actually, like, the dims of the board. Um, in the last, like, nine months, I've gone through, I want to say, 10 to 12 brand new surfboards. Um, and I get them custom ordered out of Gaizoki in Venice. Um, and then also Progen surfboards in Ventura. And I ping pong between the two, depending on what kind of board I want. And now I've realized fully there's a board for the day and each day should be a different board. And so I actually have the dirt bag in my car um, and that's always full with two boards and I have one on top <laughs> that's in a sock. Um, and so whenever I roll up, I have three boards, no fins in them, I have four different sets of fins that I can roll up with um, depending on the day. I just tried the two one setup like 
four or five months ago, like seriously tried it. And I'm a huge fan of that for the smaller days. I'm a big fan of the two plus one, especially yeah. here at, at Uppers. Yeah, and so I think with boards, I've been experimenting a lot lately. Like, I just got Guy Zoke something called the Alien, which is his signature tail. He has a name for it. I can't remember what it is. But basically, you're kind of looking at a four-diamond-shaped tail. So it comes in, boom, 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 boom. That's not really descriptive, but... It's four points on um, the tail, and what it does is this huge wide tail. So at first you look at it, you're like, it's gonna be hard to turn, but it allows you to paddle in to waves way faster. And on those like flat, mushy days, especially in Venice where I live, it can glide through those sections really fast. And then it does still have, because of the thinner rails that it comes in into in the back, and a decent amount of concave that it has, the double concave in the tail, along with the steep rocker it kind of has within that tail, it allows you to actually turn so you can do really nice roundhouses on it, but like vertical snaps on a big day is not gonna happen on it. But it's been nice to just try and experiment those kind of things. I found myself though really leaning towards like going back to I guess the normal like progressive counter shortboard from like the early like 2010 era, you know, like five nine, 25 liters, kind of standard, like here I use two inches on the width, like those kind of things I find are honestly best, but it is fun to experiment and try around. And then for bigger waves, yeah, I got a whole quiver of waves. I use Bark Surfboards out of the South Bay. Um, so I got a 10-0 gun from him, and then I have a DHD like 710 for like Ocean Beach when it gets big. And that's kind of like, it's more high-performance shortboard, but in a bigger board, so it's, it's fun. Um, it's fun experimenting with boards, and I recommend that everyone needs to do it in their life. You can't just surf one. Um, but definitely when you find the one, there's nothing wrong with sticking with it for a while. Any big waves recently? No. So there's only been one swell this season and I was in Costa Rica on a spa vacation with my mom. Nice. <laughs> I was okay. in the hot springs watching <laughs> my friends out at Mavericks. It wasn't huge, huge, but it's still like, I would say probably, I think it was like 30 foot around there, and it, but it was still pretty decent size and they were just having a blast. Um, but it looked very crowded in a scary way. Um, but I know Ocean Beach was firing and a lot of the other spots were going off. Um, so no, I missed my one chance in Costa Rica. There was this last swell that came in two weeks ago. So the end of January, it wasn't huge, but it was like nine feet at 18 seconds, I think. Um, and so Mavericks did work, but I just thought it wasn't worth the drive. wasn't worth the drive and honestly, it probably wasn't. We ended up down in Mexico and we went down to one of the point breaks and it was overhead, just perfect wheeling. And that was pretty cool. Um, but no, I've been really disappointed in this season, honestly. Going into the season, though, I kind of knew it. Um, it's a La Nina year, um, and so we just kind of knew that it was going to be a little bit slower. Um, and so I wasn't really expecting much. And the one time it did happen, I didn't happen to be in the States, and that was a bummer. But there's other years, and it'll only get better. So, what's, the, what's your favorite big wave that you've done so far? Um, I'm not going to name the spot. But there's a little mini Mavs, um, and that's pretty insane because it can be you and like four other people out there. Uh, <laughs> really heavy because there's no safety crews, but the paddle out's not super bad. There is a gnarly like beach break that gets like overhead high that's like a short pound you got to get through. But then once you're at that, it's just a long paddle out the back, and it's pretty sick when it's really big. Um, I would say though, if you're trying to learn how to surf big waves and the training ground that I hold true and is still teaches me every single time I go up is Ocean Beach. Yeah. I think it's really heavy, especially on a day when it's really pitching and going. Um, yeah, Ocean Beach definitely has a special place in my heart and also a very frustrating place. Sometimes you show up, the models all look right and everything, and it's just horrible. It's just horrible for some reason. 
I've caught much. Ocean Beach on some beautiful days, like perfect A-frames, quite yeah. a paddle out, but just so much fun, get kind of beat up, and then right to Chinese food afterwards. Yep. There was once it took me, I think, over an hour and a half to paddle out. It was, the buoys were reading, I think it was 20 feet at 18 seconds. This was last year when MAPS was like all time some of the biggest they've said in like the last 20 years. We were at OB. And I started at the very south end of the beach, ended up almost at the north end by the rocks, then finally had to paddle all the way back to the one peak that was working. And that was honestly a little terrifying. There was like me, like six to seven other dudes out there. I was on my 710, everyone else was on a 9.0 or bigger. Like I should have, I was on the wrong board, but <laughs> I got one wave for the day for like four hours of being out there and it was a huge one and it was sick. So definitely OB is the spot if you want to train. When do you put on your impact suit? Um, so I don't have a full on inflate impact vest. Um, I was going to buy one this season and then I honestly, they were all in stock and I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to wait until I actually need one to buy one yet. But I wear, um, Buell has like the padded <laughs> ones that Jamie O'Brien wears out pipe and stuff. And I wear that. Um, it depends. There's moments where I should have had it and I didn't have it. Um, and there's moments where I probably didn't need it and wore it. It kind of, honestly, I hate to say it, it's what the parking lot's doing. <laughs> like when you see every guy running out on these impact vests or the float vests, you're like, <gasps> and you put it on. And then I sometimes I get out there and I'm like, oh, this was way overhyped. And the other times I'm like, there's dudes out there, like I was down in Mexican pipe and it was pretty sizable and I didn't even think to bring it, which was pretty dumb. But no one was out there wearing one. I was like, oh, I wish I had one on right now. Um, cause there's only like two other dudes and they all live there and they were charging it real hard. Um, but for me, it's kind of the rule is it depends how heavy it is. So size doesn't matter as much. So like the spot I was talking about earlier that gets really big, I won't wear it there necessarily because it kind of like on a little bit of an onshore window will crumble. And so like you're really not going that far down and you're never that far up and it's not that scary. But like, for example, ocean beach, double overhead, full on like pitching kegs. Like you probably want to wear one there. You're going really deep down. Um, so it just varies, but unfortunately I think. A lot of it has to do with the parking lot and what's happening. There. <laughs> yeah. um, but definitely for Mexican pipe, next time I'm throwing it in and I'm probably wearing it because that's an early. Yeah, it's a good thing to have in your quiver. Mm -hmm. And Buell makes a really good one. I was shook about how good it was and how well it works. The one thing I got to say about it, though, is you can't duck dive. So you cannot wear it on a smaller day when you're trying to duck dive. Like if you're trying to duck dive with it, it's, it's doable, but you're not really getting deep. It's really hard, especially on the bigger waves. Um, and that was something at first I, like, I wore it and tried to duck dive my 710, which... I can do, normally I can't get super deep, but I can get through like a lot of whitewash and I could barely do it, it was pretty hard. So. Have you seen John John's impact vest from Florence Marine? Yeah, I have actually. That thing looks pretty cool. Yeah, they're nuts. I really, if I was to get one, I really like the Quicksilver, just cause A, it's a bit cheaper and B, it's really easy to use. Um, the Patagonia one is, I would say the best one, but the thing is with the Patagonia one, unless you have the special Patagonia suit, you're drilling holes in your wetsuit, so now you just compromised your wetsuit just for this one. And depending where you are, you could be wearing different suits all the time. So you could be going three, four wetsuits. And unfortunately, I can't go through that many wetsuits. Yeah. I go through like seven, eight a year, but like that's way too many. But the Patagonia one's definitely the most reliable, I would say. Um, but yeah. Sick. Yeah. Have you ever had an injury prevent you from surfing? Yeah. Um, while surfing or non-surfing injury? I get yeah. injured all the time. <laughs> Um, I don't know if you can see this here, but oh, I yeah. snapped my arm fully in half. 
um, Venescape Park at the Bowl, 15 the deep end, and then I hit a bump. It was my first time skating like, oh, man. four months. What was this? Oh, this was almost a year ago to this date. Like, end of February, I want to say it was. Um, snapped it fully in half. <laughs> I had to get surgery and everything. Was out for, I want to say, seven months fully, almost. And then had to go to PT, those things. Like, even to this day, it's not from full full mobility and it doesn't have full strength like can't really hold a heavy pot for more than like five seconds on it and actually if i'm surfing for over more than like two hours i can kind of start to feel it hurt and ache um it's going to take they said probably a year and a half to be full strength and recover um so i had that that was probably in recent memory the worst one but like as a kid i've broken toes broken my um leg uh nose plenty of times i stopped my nose three times surfing uh, once it happens the first time, it just kind of happens again and again and again. Oh, um, man. Well, your nose doesn't look crooked. No. So I got it fixed the third time. The first time, they put a little cast on and they tried to straighten it out. The second time, I just said whatever. Third time, they went in and they had to crack it and replace it. Oh, man. But it's still not fully straight. And what actually happened is that now I have like a bigger cavern on one side than the other. So water gets trapped in it. So I'm very prone to sinus infections. Um, so especially like surfing in LA, I kind of get sick all the yeah. time with sinus infections and I actually have lost a little bit of hearing on it. Got scarring my eardrum for that. Um, and have huge sinus issues, like and pressure issues. So like diving, I used to do a lot of like spearfishing, but it's way harder now. But you're still charging. Yeah. 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 I, I was, like I was hit by a car while riding my bike about a year ago, yeah. a little over a year ago. And it just separated my shoulder which led oh. to a lot of muscular yep. issues and i spent nine months in pt just trying to get that strength back and yeah. since then i've just been really interested in hearing how people kind of deal with injuries and keep going it's yeah injuries are one of those things it's gonna happen you're in a high contact sport i used to play soccer and hockey too as a little kid and just also just falling off stuff all the time yeah. um fell off the washing machine when i was little Broke my ankle, fell off um, a children's playground off the top. Like, I climbed up to the top, broke my leg. <laughs> like, I was just always getting hurt. Um, but it's going to happen, and just you got to push through. But this few times, I didn't go to PT when I should have. And I think PT is actually a wonderful thing. You really PT, need to go. you got to take it seriously. you got to take it serious. I didn't realize that um, for a while. But... If you want to make it happen, it can happen. Like, no injury, like, really? When, like, well, there's a whole bunch that probably does. But, like, no small injury, like broken bone or separated shoulder and stuff like that will really prevent you from what you love doing. You'll find a way. Like, look at Beth Bethany Hamilton. Like, no arm, still surfing. Yeah. Women's pipe, like, right now. Crazy. So. The person crazy. I looked to was Garrett McNamara, who obliterated his shoulder. Yeah. At, was it Nazare or Mavericks? I think it was Nazare. Yeah. Just obliterated his shoulder, and he was still getting back out there. And, and within I like a year and a half, I think. Yeah, was, yeah. And I thought to myself, I have a separated shoulder. You yeah. know, it feels weird. A little bit of muscle weakness, but nothing's going to stop me. That yeah. was, that That's was really how inspiring. you got to approach it, and you got to just keep wanting it, keep going for it, which is interesting. Yeah. There's also a big difference between breaking your bone when you're a kid. Or fracturing a bone and versus when you're a fully grown adult. Maybe I'm a kid then. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> when I broke my arm in half, my first instinct was, no, 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 it can't be broken. It's sprained. I was supposed to go surf tomorrow. I got work later. Like, no, 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 it's sprained. It's sprained. And then I look at it and honestly, I almost passed out. Like, the whole thing looked like a wave. Oh, man. <laughs> and then I was still convinced it was just sprained and that it was just swelling a little bit. 
And then it's when I tried to get lift myself out of the pool, the arm like literally folded and collapsed in on itself. I was like, okay, that's broken. And then I was like, it's a little fracture. I'm just gonna get a cast. Next thing you know, like I'm in the emergency room getting surgery. And but I have a really high tolerance for pain, luckily. So it comes out from my mother. Like she just she just broke her um, ankle like four months ago, and she's 57 and is back on the tennis court now, like fully playing, which is kind of cool. So, awesome. Yeah, we have a really high tolerance for pain, and women tend to have a higher higher tolerance. tolerance I've heard that Childbirth. too. Yeah, so it's interesting. Yeah. Do you have any crazy surf-related stories? Getting pulled over in Mexico, or oh in man, Indonesia? I just got my spare tire stolen last week in Mexico. That was pretty upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> I look underneath my car; it's just gone. No, and they cut right. the chain. Um, trying to think. Uh, Surfing is just so many crazy things for a person who doesn't surf, just kind of are mundane in the surf world, you know, like watching friends break boards, break their nose, slicing their face open, stuff like that. Um, kind of, I guess the craziest surf story in my life would be in Mexico, and we, it was in mainland, and we were driving down, and in front of me, we watched a car try to pass another car, head-on collision, spin out, hit a big rig, do a roll, and then land back on itself. And we were like the car after all this. And so we pull over and it's like 11 o'clock at night. We're not supposed to drive at night in Mexico, mm. but we had a late flight. So we had to. And just like watching all that ensued and the chaos of that. But that's not really super surf related. That's just kind of a surf trip. And that was like one of the defining moments of the surf trip was I was the first one on scene. And like we had, we have, I always carry a proper first aid kit wherever I go. Um, I feel you cannot go anywhere, especially when you're surfing without a real first aid kit. Um, what do you mean by a real first aid kit? Like one that a first responder would have, like an EMT would roll up with. Um, like mine, I think, costs like 250 and it's a big box that I carry in my car. It's pretty heavy and I'm always constantly stocking and I'm always keeping it with me. Um, like tourniquets, everything's in it. Um, because you just never later? have it. No. Yeah. <laughs> I wish. AED too, I wish. But, <laughs> I just feel like you need to always have be prepared and luckily in that moment like we were there we were prepared and it wasn't as bad as I thought it was gonna be but there was a lot of blood a lot of open wounds and so we were able to patch it all up which is pretty cool um, that's wild yeah I would say another crazy story is again it always is in Mexico I feel um, in Mexico down in the Michoacan they were just so this was like in October they were they kicked out all the police a while ago um, a few years ago, and the police were just making a present and coming back in. And so it used to be community policing, narcos, and the police, and then it was just... Hey, I was there. Back up. Yeah. Can you tell the backstory of, of why the cops were kicked out? Um, because they were so corrupt, and that they thought... So these are local police? Well, so in Mexico, it's it's not like you live in, like, Sinaloa, you're going to be a cop in Sinaloa. You apply to, like, be a police, and they send you, like, see fit. It's almost like a National Guard kind of thing, right? Um, they try to keep you in your area, but also for safety reasons, they don't want you to... Are these federales? No. So these are just, like, the city police. Um, the federales is, like, the National Guard, which is... And then they're technically military. And so they do, like, more operational things. And they really try not to get involved with tickets and those things. Um, but, like, the community police, they kind of a lot of times come from elsewhere just because, like, people know you from high school. And obviously, like, being a cop in Mexico is not the best thing to be. Um, but 
so down there they were just coming in and we were leaving and you could see these convoys of troops just coming in but before that there like the three days before i've never seen so many machine guns guys with radios just kind of networking everything you get pulled over with a guy with machine gun you roll down your window and they're like what are you doing here why are you here you know what's happening and you're like well not really like you just gotta play dumb and nice and then you get through but i guess that's pretty crazy mainland mexico is definitely a different beast um for serve trips you can do it like in really nice resorts or you can like go through the wild find some crazy waves but it's pretty gnarly um my experience surfing in mainland mexico is if if you kind of want to venture outside of the known spots you have to bring a local tag tag along yeah um my spanish is pretty good so i just go to like the bodegas and drink outside (laughs) and that kind of will get you spots um also there's a lot of actually published spots if you do your research they're just really hard to get to like when we go down and we fly we rent like an all-wheel drive four by four ideally four by four because you're going to need that quattro four quattro see quattro quattro um but yeah, it's pretty hard to get to a lot of the spots. But also, what I've learned about Mexico, too, there's a lot of spots that are pretty, like, blown up, but they're kind of gnarly, and so if you go, there's not that many people. So Nice. So, I would say, yeah, Mexico definitely provides the gnarliest surf trips of your life, always. You just never know what's going to happen. I've played countless bribes down there, countless things get stolen, just countless weird run-ins. It's pretty cool. I would say definitely one of the most interesting, most beautiful surf trips I've ever done, and I would recommend to people, is driving up from L.A. to Tofino in Canada. Um, Tofino has a pretty, like, robust surf industry, um, so you'll definitely not be surfing, like, Canadian, like, point breaks by yourself, but it's so beautiful, super, like, family-friendly, like, you got a significant other that doesn't surf or doesn't, like, surf huge waves, like, it's totally fine, it's friendly, and it's a beautiful drive in a beautiful place, and you get to hit a lot of coastline, which is really cool. Sick. What kind of wetsuit are you bringing? Um, so I have... situation? Yeah, I might be all 5'4 with a hood, um, and I was really worried it wasn't going to be enough, and I went in November, so I brought, I have, like, a 2 millimeter like, wetsuit top, and I brought that just in case, and I have the gloves, the booties, and everything, and honestly, there's a few days in which I was like, okay, 5'4 was needed. But I wore my 4.3 all the way through Oregon, parts of Canada. It was fine. As long as you have a good 4.3, that being said. Like the Rip Curl 4.3, um, the E6 I have, that was phenomenal. I was very impressed. That's almost as warm as like a 5.4. Have you tried the Yamamoto wetsuits? No. I've those been are at crazy. Those. They look really crazy. And they look super stretchy too. That's They're why very I, stretchy. That's why I like Excel wetsuits a lot, but they've been out of stock for forever because they really will stretch on you. Um, as I feel like... Buell, they make really warm suits, and for the price point, it's amazing, but I feel like sometimes they're just not as stretchy as I would like. Um, if you want to drop some coin, Feral and Isurus. Yeah, no, those are Yama, amazing. I have a 3-2 Isurus that is warmer than my 4-3 Rip Curl. Yeah, I believe that. I just got the Rip Curl 3-2, like, heat seeker, I think it is, with the solar panel type things. They're like rubber, like, solar things, and that is the warmest suit I've ever had, like, I wear that all the way through like real NorCal and I'll be fine in like November, December, which is pretty cool. I haven't been able to fact check this, but I heard from one of my surf shops that a container full of like a season's worth of wetsuits, I'm not sure by yeah, which it company. Was, yeah, I know which company. Yeah, yeah fell so, off the ship. Yeah, I'm very familiar with that. And it's a true <laughs> story and it was really heartbreaking for us as a business, for me as an individual, but it was a company I hold dear. And yeah, it was... 
that's the rumor going around the surf industry. I've heard that from a lot of people. Them themselves never confirmed it, and I don't think they would want to. It's a sad reality because then also everyone would look elsewhere, but it was their whole year's worth of wetsuit suffered. That stuff does happen. It's pretty rare. It's actually but not it as rare happen. as you think, though. If you if you talk about the amount of containers yeah, going yeah. over the Statistically, ocean... Statistically, it's not right. much, but you would think it would almost be never. But it's like, I want to say it's over like 10 a year easily. Oh, definitely more than that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's always the top one when a rough season. But people find crazy things all the time washed up the shore. Yeah. It's pretty scary, too, if you're out there on, on like, a small sailboat at night and these containers are just floating. Yeah. God, it's not going to get picked up on your radar. No. Um, but, yeah, no, that was definitely a tragic event for them. Yeah. And uh, I, hopefully they can recover. That's something that keeps me up at night. I think next time I get a container shipped over, I'm, I'm, I think I'm gonna get the insurance. Oh yeah, because you do full containers, right? Yeah. And you didn't do insurance before? No. Yeah, I would always opt in insurance. Yeah. I've learned that insurance, most of the time you'll never need it, but the one time you will, right. you really want it. I got, my car got rear-ended and I got a rent-a-car. And I didn't, I like the rent-a-car company, the people that rear-ended me, they're like their insurance paid for the rent car, but they didn't pay for the extra insurance. And I was like, no, 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 that's fine. It's only for four days. Surfing steamer lane, I come out of steamer lane. I just blew up my fin box on a piece of kelp. Like the fin ripped out the box. It's all upset. And I look, and there's a little Honda Civic park where it was a Nissan Frontier. That was the rent car was. And I was like, did I park it somewhere else? And I like walk up and down like the boulevard. And I'm like looking in alleys and everywhere. I'm like, this is so bizarre. And then it finally dawned on me, yeah, the car stolen. And sure enough, it got stolen, so I was on the hook for the price. What? It was a 2019, and this was in 2020. Did so you leave the keys under the car or something? No, I hid them by the lighthouse, which was about, I would say, 500 yards away. And, like, probably someone watched me hide them, and this went for them, which wasn't the smartest decision, but it was electronic key. And I, I drive an old-school Tacoma that has, like, the right. key, you put so, in the wetsuit, and I've never had an issue with that. And when I, that was my first thought when I looked at the key, was, what am I going to do here? Like, I hate hiding these. Um, but anyway, so I got stolen. So now all of a sudden, because I didn't pay an extra, I think it was $100 for insurance. I'm on the hook for $25,000 car. And I was oh, like, oh my God. But luckily, they found it in mint condition. Perfect in Watsonville. So that was neat. Was it a joyride or did they actually try to steal it? Oh, no, no. They stole it. It was, it was missing for three weeks. They couldn't Holy find it. Holy crap. It, the last time it got registered was in Oakland. They like ran through the plates. They ran it through a toll. Um, but they say what's well, pretty common at the lane cars get stolen actually and they do it for a drug run and they'll ditch them afterwards That's wild. I've heard that happening at Malibu too. Yeah, Malibu that happens a lot like a lot of car break-ins and stuff like that in Venice as well But like car breaks in car break-ins fully expected, but I was pretty shocked that a stolen the vehicle. whole car yeah. was just gone I was like, Whoa, so yeah, insurance is worth it. <laughs> do you get insurance in Mexico? Uh, by law you have to so when you rent a car, it comes with it, and I've learned you got to be careful. You got to, a lot of times, the cheapest car you rent doesn't come with insurance, and then they try to stiff you for like almost what the car you paid rent is for insurance. But when I drive down, um, you're legally required to have it after two days. So yeah, and it's needed because if you get in a car crash in Mexico, it's a crime. And you yeah, jail. there it's and the opposite of here. No yeah. habeas corpus. Yeah, and it's just like, you know what? For my hundred dollars for like two weeks, it's worth it. I'm not gonna regret. So, I have a buddy that was driving down there, hit a motorcycle, uh, Mexican national, did not have car insurance. Yeah, you're done. Took him to jail. Yeah, yeah, it was a bad, yeah bad and it's You probably are not spending time in jail, in all honesty, but you're paying a lot for yeah. it. 
And so the car insurance is relatively cheap and it just covers it. So. Okay. You want another beer? Sure. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had the main insurance. And we were crossing these rivers and it was super rainy. Mm -hmm. And we make a call not to cross a river. Um, and it ended up being a good call because while we were walking back, there was a full on like Costa Rican version of a semi truck just yeah. stuck in the river. And from that day, I was like, always get the car insurance. Except, I hate to say it, because we get the optional car insurance, it won't cover any 4x4. Really? No. I, okay, I didn't We just that. got that, and it won't cover any 4x4 accidents. You're all liable for that. And that includes anything that's on paved road. Which kind of sucks, because half the roads are on pavement anyway. So yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't really remember seeing any paved roads by the yeah. surf towns. That's wild. I would say Costa Rica is a really good surf trip destination for those like looking to kind of go out of the United States for the first surf trip. I would highly recommend Costa Rica. I had an amazing time there. It's beautiful. It's absolutely gorgeous. And if you happen to get injured in any way, their healthcare yeah, is really good. Yeah, it's really good. It's pretty easy if you don't speak Spanish to get around. The waves are solid. They're not crazy, but they get good. Um, and it's nice. It's friendly. It's very similar to the United States in a lot of ways. Last time I was there, I stepped on a stingray two days in a row, both times while not surfing. I was just like in the water fishing. And the second time I was like, all right, I should probably get this checked out. There was a bit of a barb stuck in there. Oof. And I go to the, to the clinic and they're super professional. Unlike my experience in Bali for a spider bite where they're using like rusty tools and stuff. These guys, super professional and then they give they do a bunch of stuff give me some medication some anti-inflammatory drugs and they give me a bill for like five dollars and they're like here's this to submit to your insurance and i'm like it's just you know it's not even worth my time so yeah it it's bali it's pretty expensive when i got i got a chair through my foot what <laughs> what i got a chair through my foot on new year's <laughs> and i had to get, i was the first one in the hospital on the new year's it actually was in the Gillies, but... Honestly, was that the year that I was down there? Yeah, yeah, Like, that was, I think... Did you become... I landed on New Year's. Okay, so it happened on New Year's. And for a week, I couldn't walk. <laughs> and then I was, like, healed. And I was probably still pretty bad when you were there. Like, wrap. It was probably just wrap. But, yeah, I got a chair through my heel. And they gave me a bill for, like, $500. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, this is ridiculous. Like, all you guys did was, like, pull out splinters from my foot, basically. That's crazy. Like, they didn't, like, give me pills or anything. Like, no real surgery. Um, and I was like, oh, wow. Okay. But I had traveler's insurance, luckily. And nice. that actually kicked in. And that was a surprise. Nice. I didn't think it was a good investment. I was like, you know what? I'm there for a while. Probably going to have to use it once. And so, it was kind of nice. Anytime I'm going to a sort of remote area or an area where... You know, if, if you need to get to a serious hospital for whatever reason, it, it'll be a big bill. I, I buy a membership for this program called Global Rescue. Yeah. I think it's like 40 bucks. It's amazing. They'll cover everything from medevacs. I think at the time, a volcano was going off in Bali. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there for that. And I remember so, seeing those um, if, if they have to evacuate you, they will. It's a great program for anyone. Going to a remote area. I gotta check that out. And the fun thing is, if there's some type of violent uprising, they send in like ex commandos on helicopters to, to exfiltrate. That's you. pretty cool. <laughs> so, yeah. So you're 25? No, younger. 24. <laughs> younger. 23. 23, yeah. You're 23 years old. So young, sir. You just got out of college. Yeah. Did you know that you wanted to do something in the surfing world? 
Yes, but I didn't want to admit it, I don't want to say. Why is uh, that? Well, I don't know. Since I was a little kid, I was told, like, you need to go to a good school, get a good education, get a good job. And I, I've always... Surfing's honestly, a hobby. Yeah, surfing, sports, all that's just kind of a hobby. Like, it's not going to be your life. I'm like, all right, whatever. I went to Cornell, did the education I was supposed to do. Um, feel very fortunate and very lucky to go still. Um, that was an amazing experience, and I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Um, but I was going into the route of IB, investment banking, um, kind of like in the financial um, tech industry part of it. So we were looking at like tech healthcare companies is kind of what I was going so, for. So you're looking at tech healthcare companies and like 70 hour work weeks. Yeah, um, in San Francisco, um, a small like boutique firm. And I did an internship. They were like, all right, we'd be kind of game to like onboard you for the, like starting the next year. And I have always worked at surf school starting with like 15. I was like a surf instructor, worked my way up to manager. And then the whole COVID thing happened. And so then the offer was taken off the table because they didn't know what the future was. They got, they're moving out of their office space. Everyone went remote because it was a very small firm, you know? Um, and then kind of, while COVID hit, a lot of families I knew very well, they just wanted lessons from someone who was COVID safe, and they just kind of wanted to keep it really small, really easy. And I ended up having a blast doing that because honestly, I love working with kids. I find it really rewarding. And I feel like as much as I teach them, I learn from them every single day. Um, and so I just kind of thought about it more and more. I was like, I'm really happy. The money's good, not great, but it allows me to surf every single day. It allows me to take surf trips, allows me to do what I like to do. And you know what? I can always go back to that, go to grad school if I want. But right now, this is what I want. And so I kind of just went full steam ahead and kind of got myself into something I wasn't fully expected and ready to. I wasn't expecting to own my own surf school or kind of own my own business. I just thought it was like a fun thing. I was just going to see where it went. And then here I am a year later, ready to do it again. So, pretty exciting. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. What's it like launching a surf school? Is there a big permitting process? Oh, my God. Um, it's, like, it's not like of... anyone can just wake up one day. And no, so you can't just go teaching. teach a lesson, yeah. especially in LA. You'll get rolled real fast by um, the permitting office. You have to get insurance, and, of course, the insurance, because it's a high-risk sport, sport, is really hard. Um, workers comp, too, for if you have employees, and that's beyond difficult to get for a surf school. Um, and the permit process. And the permit process um, isn't easy. It's a lot of paperwork. It's very hard. Um, and it takes a lot of patience. But once you get that, then you're good to go. Um, and it's frustrating because all these times people think they can teach unpermitted. And they all get caught eventually, you know. But it's still frustrating when you roll up and you spend all this time and money to secure the necessary things. And then all of a sudden, you see someone who hasn't done that. And I think the biggest thing that people don't realize about surf schools especially when you get larger, is safety. Um, it's a huge deal. Once you have employees working for you, you need to make sure you have like ocean safe employees, employees who don't know what they're doing because you're talking about kids going into the water. And as we know, surfers, like the ocean can be a very unpredictable place. You don't know what's gonna happen all the time necessarily. Day-to-day -day changes real fast. And it takes years of experience to like read and be able to predict it pretty decently. But you have no idea when that outside set's gonna come. You can see it like 10 seconds away, but if you've got a six-year-old on it, you're done, you know? It's about when to be preventative and like when to send the kids out there and so that takes a lot of time and then a lot of it's just back end kind of like dealing with parents dealing with customer service um but it's a lot of fun i guess studied business in school so it's kind of right up what i kind of wanted like well what i thought i wanted to do and it applies all the skills i learned and then 
I also get to work with kids, teach kids, and stuff. It's nice. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's what's it called? Sunrise Surf Academy. Sunrise Surf Academy. Um, we're out of Venice and the Palisades in LA. Um, and my favorite part about what, having a real business and a big like constituent of employees and stuff is being able to give back to the community. Like, the community is done very well by us, and we try to do very well by it. Um, so for example, all of our revenue, we have thirty percent of what we make. I guess well, not not what we make because that's technically profit. Thirty percent of like what we actually take in. We try to give back into scholarships, financial aid, and just outreach. Um, me growing up, I didn't grow up by the beach necessarily. I kind of grew up in the valley in LA. <laughs> well, I did grow up in the valley in LA, North Hollywood. And we used to get buses sent to us to go out to surf school um, through LA County Beach and Harbor. Sadly, that um, program isn't intact anymore because it was federally funded and I think the funding got cut. Um, but that's kind of how I like, learned to love the ocean. Um, and then parents driving me and like finding rides and those kind of things. Um, and kind of through all that, I grew an appreciation for the ocean, um, had water safety, and it's sad that a lot of kids in LA don't have that opportunity, especially when they live, some people literally will live like four miles from the beach and like are afraid to go in the ocean. Um, and so something that I came into it really wanting to do is give back and same with my partner. So we're very fortunate we see eye to eye on that page. And so we do, and we do community events for local schools, huge fundraising, like we'll donate packages and stuff. We'll do, not even just surfing, just teaching kids water safety. Um, we'll do scholarships. Our whole idea behind our business is we want anyone to surf. Our motto is literally surfing is for anyone. And so if anyone can't afford anything, all they have to do is shoot an email. We've never turned down a request, no matter how crazy it is. We get some pretty outlandish ones. <laughs> what are some outlandish ones? Yeah, like people asking for free weeks and they show up in the chat stuff, but we don't ask questions or anything. We just, we want surfing for everyone. We don't want it to be a hassle or pain. And um, that's something I'm like really looking forward to going forward. Um, we sponsored the local surf event this year, um, the Venice Surfathon, and we're gonna do our own next year um, in 2023, which is pretty exciting. Um, but just being in touch with the community is really nice. I go out to restaurants out there and all of a sudden a mom will just come up, oh my God, so great to see you, da 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 da, you know? Um, it's a blast. I really enjoy being part of the community and it gives you kind of a greater purpose than just, oh, I'm just teaching the next series of Groms. You get to shape the Groms, mold the Groms, and you also get to give back to everyone and teach everyone water safety. So That's awesome. Yeah. Do you think you'll ever have like a team going? What do you mean a team? Like a Sunrise Surf Academy team? Yeah. We have little Groms. Little uh, couple sponsor. super Groms. Uh, yeah, no, we definitely have like team runners, I guess, quote unquote, but some of our kids are actually really good. They're quite good. And some of our instructors are world-class. All of them, I think, are top-notch, better than most of the surf schools here, um, if not the best. But we got a few that are sponsored and were sponsored who are really phenomenal surfers, but also teachers. And that's the biggest thing, I think, that differentiates a lot of surf schools is they either have really good surfers, not good teachers, or they have really good teachers, not good surfers. So they can teach you how to stand up, da 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 but then after that, they can't teach you how to like actually start doing bottom turns, to cut backs, to roundhouses, those things. As our, like We pride ourselves in being able to take that. You know? Taking someone who's afraid of the water and then within a year being able to, um, to try to cut back you know? and then feel comfortable cut backing and going to like, a roundhouse. You know? That's awesome. Mm -hmm. All levels. Mm -hmm. Progression. Oh, yeah. We, Venice uh, Surfathon, our kid, one of our like, star groms who just started surfing two years ago, won his age division, which is pretty exciting. You know? That's awesome. So we have kids here. Really rip and from all levels and all walks of life, which is really interesting and I really enjoy a lot. Um, and that's the best, is just seeing all these kids all come from different backgrounds, different places, but like unite over one love, the ocean, and just trying to get better at surfing. 
And it's cool when the kids encourage each other, you know, like one kid, obviously, it's been a long time surfing, the other kid has never tried, but the kid's like, oh, let me help, let me give you some pointers, and that's really nice to see. And that's why, again, Harp on, like, working with kids is such a wonderful experience, and you learn so much from them, is they're, they don't have all these stigmas that I think a lot of people carry as adults, um, and they're just so open and honest and forefront of what they're thinking, and then they're willing to help so much, which is nice. Just enthusiastic, yeah. unburdened by yeah ego or yeah like you said stigmas yeah it's awesome yeah it's been a wonderful experience and i really enjoy every moment of it except the paperwork sometimes yeah um which can be a lot but it's interesting um and it's definitely not what i envisioned myself doing three years ago if you would have asked me honestly um but would i see myself doing anything else right now no nice so that's i guess awesome. the best thing it can be right awesome. and working for yourself is wonderful i love it you know it's a great learning experience too Oh, yeah. At the end of the day, I've learned so much. I feel equipped to kind of do any small business, honestly, yeah. which is pretty exciting. Um, whether it be the accounting or the actual customer service. But I'm going to say it is a lot. It's not for the faint of heart. Like over summer, you're working almost 70, 80 hour work weeks. Don't sleep much. It's a lot of stress and you just have no idea what's going to happen. But, you but try in the off season, you're traveling. Yeah, in the off season, you get to travel. But what's changed a lot is I used to like love to go to like Deep rural Mexico, you know, like no phone service or anything. Now it's like I can't be more than a day away mm -hmm. from my phone, which is kind of frustrating, upsetting, but it is what it is. And eventually, one day, hopefully, that will be changed. But right now, it's kind of what it is. Sounds like you need a good, good second in, in command. Yeah, that's what we're actually trying to do this season is try to set up in a way in which we have a beach captain that will be able to deal with all that and those kind of things, so we can kind of take a step and focus on the bigger plans, because it is sometimes kind of annoying to like want to do these big outreach programs and like coordinating that takes a lot of time but then you're just trying to fill out like paperwork that anyone could do and it's just like but there's only me right now and it's just like oh, if i just had someone doing all this paperwork that would take like 10 hours i can really like spend time doing these outreaches getting it going because as easy as it sounds it's not at all to get people to show up and commit to things yeah even if it's free <laughs> for sure yeah for sure awesome well it was great talking to you Kyle. yeah it was great thank you so much for having me on for sure and